Welcome to the Marshall Pruitt Podcast and your Weekend Sports Cars episode as we round out March, Graham Goodwin. We were recently in central, southernish Florida. Just for recovering. Jamboree of endurance racing, whether it be the Michelin Pilot Challenge Series, whether it was the officially recognized series known as Weckety Weck. Uh, the yes. FI World Endurance Championship, chucking it down for a thousand miles, about eight hours on a Friday. And then Saturday, yes, indeed, IMSA's WeatherTech Sports Car Championship, 12 hours of celebration. Lots of great stuff there. We had tons of questions coming out of the event. We got to about half of them in last week's yep. show. And we're going to try and cover off as many as we can here in roughly 30-ish to 35 minutes. Uh, I'm Marshall Pruitt. That's Graham Goodwin, editor of DailySportsCar.com and voice Hello. face, um, backside and everything of all kinds of television related uh, yeah. production nonsense. Uh, we want to say a very quick thank you, Graham, to Cooper Tires, the Justice Brothers and TorontoMotorsports.com, longstanding partners and supporters of all we do here. Let's get rolling. And we ended last week's show i believe talking a bit about the future of super sebring will we, we have this combined weckety weck imsa thing happening for years to come at sebring you and i and others are of the belief that we might have just witnessed our last at least yeah. for the the near term medium term what more can we add to this because you have learned more since we did last week's show uh before we pick up some other topics uh, yeah, I mean, talking, it would be unfair to to name names in this regard, but talking to a number of people directly and indirectly involved with the the ongoing negotiations, we don't yet know um, officially what's happening with the WC calendar. Um, what I think I could be reasonably confident now is that the initial report that I was given from a very senior source um, that uh, WC is contracted to go back uh, in 2024. If that's the case, then that contract may be uh, may have been kind of uh, turned over or refused. And I'm not expecting them to be back at uh, Sebring next year. Can't confidently tell you what the plan is. Uh, what I believe is looking the most likely is that we could be heading to Austin and to the Circuit of the Americas. Now, whether or not that is for a single year and whether or not we'll then move on in future years to another double header, potentially with Weck and IMSA racing on the Saturday and Sunday in whichever direction, that too, I think... That, Indianapolis quite, Motor Speedway, maybe? Quite. I mean, that that would be my guess, simply because of the link with Roger Pansky and his organization. But that, to me, that is the kind of announcement that I would guess the ACO and WEC, and for that matter, IMSA, would like to be making at the Centenary Le Mans. That, that is the kind of thing that I think they would be keeping their powder dry um, for that kind of occasion. I think we're going to get a lot of news, a lot of excitement um, at the uh, the Centenary Le Mans 24 hours. And if you're not going to be there, by the way, uh, on site for uh, the race week proper, um, keep an eye out for some truly exciting announcements from 
the ACO, because if you are, frankly, anywhere close to that region at any point in June or July, I think there's going to be something very special to draw you to Le Mans away from race week. I can say no more than that at the moment. Um, I, I know they, they don't want us to talk about there's a big reveal to come about something that's going to be happening in race week, but that's going to have um, ripples and repercussions in a very positive way for the city of Le Mans, um, not just for that week in June, but uh, for the early summer. And Is that, this the lifetime ban on, on Richard Westbrook long overdue? Again, yeah, it didn't work the first time. He's still coming back. So, you know, did, didn't learn, didn't learn. But, Replate, but no, to be um, replaced by Johnny Molum, I believe. So even well, better. Even but, better. Here's the thing. Um, I'm properly excited to be at Le Mans this year. And I know there's about 300,000 people that agree with me. And I know there's probably 300,000 more that wish they were going to be there. And I'm sorry if you're in that second group. Uh, but do watch this space and keep an ear and an eye open for the entertainment we're going to be bringing you uh, from the start this year. Um, we're going to have, I hope, a substantial part of the TV team on site for longer than usual. And, you know, we'll see what we can do about bringing you even more content, and particularly, you know, podcast content. Um, I hope I can service, certainly in the earlier part of the, the week MP, uh, with some insight from the paddock, from pit lane, etc., in what's going to be a, a, a truly historic week. As for Sebring, well, I think I'll be there with you. So, oh, uh, brilliant. Yeah. So, um, uh, you do that on pit lane, and then I'll, I'll maybe even be on pit lane with you, and then That'd we could like better. talk about stuff. Well, we, you know what, and, and we, you know, we, we certainly, you know, th there's going to be all sorts of opportunities to to hear and see uh, what we're doing on the uh, the TV world feed, and uh, we should by then have um, the. Uh, the audio feed back on the website, I hope, uh, will be live again for Le Mans. Which website, uh, by the way? It is the FIWC website, which morphs effectively into the, the 24 Hours of Le Mans website. So we'll get oh. you posted on all of that, as well as the team that we're going to be having on the mics there. And there's, um, at the moment, I'm aware that there are there's at least one returning name, and there are likely to be two brand new names um, joining the regular WC TV crew that will be um, on uh, on parade for that one. But as for Sebring, the point I, was, I started to make and clumsily straight into other territory, they do like to save up news for the traditional big press conference on the Friday and calendars and things like that. That's the kind of thing that often you know, we'll, we'll get to see and hear about. I think we're going to have all sorts going on. I think we will see some new cars uh, likely on display or revealed uh, at Le Mans. We're going to see a heck of a bunch of old cars, of course. Um, and by the way, if you can't make it to the Le Mans 24 hours, do try and book for the Le Mans Classic because there's going to be some special stuff there too. Um, can't wait to get to summer. We've got back-to-back-to-back-to-back uh, to back to back to back, uh, through April and May with the uh, WEC and DLMS kicking off their European uh, seasons. Uh, so it's going to be an exhausting run-in but a lot of racing to come with a lot more cars to come um, through uh, the, the kind of spring and into the summer months MP. But uh, what do I think? I think 
Kota looking likely, but not confirmed. When's the last time Weck was at Kota? I'm trying to remember. Was it like? Well, you remember? They, they, it, no, no, no. It's way, way later. They they actually replaced the um, Interlagos race with a Kota race, which is only the second. Rather bizarrely, I'd only to that point missed one Weck race ever, and that was 2013 in Interlagos. Interlagos then were not able to fulfil their contractual obligations and i think was this 18 or 19 wow um and that race was replaced by a race in kota but that clashed with uh, the asian Le Mans series which i was already committed to so that was the second of so far 79 races that i've missed uh, in wc history so uh, that was the last time i'd have to double check um because with covid years they all mer- uh, morphed into one we definitely didn't go in 20 so it must have been 19 it would have been 19 we're at Kota. totally forgot uh about that altogether so yeah uh, all right it's a bit like the two sebrings isn't it but uh, but that's that i mean so yeah i think we have certainly for the time being since in the last super sebring and for for those that weren't uh, up to speed with why principally it is the friday timing for the wc race which for a whole range of perfectly sensible reasons just doesn't work for either building tv audiences commercial activity etc etc so you know i'm very sad for those that enjoy it on site very sad indeed because it is an epic race meeting but i completely understand why they've taken that decision thanks again to all those who sent in questions on this topic jonathan Wu, Stuart hart and so on why don't we pivot graham to oscar Mm. uh, at koi 501 who who axes yes uh dsc dog sent in a question (laughs) oscar axes what's the likelihood that we'll see a hypercar in imsa within the next 12 months that is it's a great question we could close the rest of the show on this topic alone Uh, Um, i will I'll tell you this much, okay? There have been proposals in the past, or at least evaluations for it. I mean, we're running a thing called the AW Hypercon GTP on Daily Sports Car this week. Final part um, is online as we record this Thursday evening, tomorrow and Friday. Um, and that does talk about something we've talked about here, which is we know that there was an evaluation of whether or not we might, you might have seen a Toyota Groot, a single car in selected IMSA rounds um, by now. For a variety of reasons, that's not happened. I sort of don't want to spoil the thunder of Stephen Kilby's story. That he's just, say Van Wall. Just, just say Vanwall. Just, just say. We can know, reveal well, it. Well, one we can say that Van Wall and Lickenhouse won't. That's that's certainly the case because they don't meet the criteria for IMSA. And for that matter, Isotta Fraschini won't either, uh, because there is this this um, this bar in terms of the number, it's two and a half thousand cars a year, isn't it? I think in the, the pr- production or sales numbers, I can't remember which. So that reduces the, 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 um, the potential takers to three. That's Ferrari. And Ferrari has very recently counted themselves out of anything other than, uh, WEC for another year. So it won't be in 24. Um, th- you're then left with Toyota and Peugeot. So I, with apologies to our listeners, don't want to answer the question quite yet, but I would urge you to ask the question again next week as I um, em- implore Stephen Kilby to type faster for the story he's writing as to why 
Uh, and there is a very good reason why that that is uh, we're unlikely to see those two cars certainly in the next year or so. So there's that the decision by hypercar constructors, manufacturers at the moment yep. to not double up and or send special entries over to compete in yep. uh, the GTP class again anytime soon. Mm-hmm. But there's also the procedural side, Graham, and that's the part where again we could we could go for an hour or more on yep. this. <sighs> Have to point out, and for those who know, uh, I'm telling you nothing new. But if we're talking about the Weckety Weck, mm-hmm. and you and I own one of the GTP cars, LMDHs, mm-hmm. um, we can go and enter anywhere and go run yep. because uh, that class the hypercar class and WEC is designed and built to host and accommodate both formulas and while we've just kicked off the very first running of these disparate formulas together at sebring uh Mm -hmm. during that eight hour race this is something where they've been preparing for and ready for this for a good long while imsa on the other hand not the case so not speaking ill of IMSA, just saying mm-hmm. that unlike their their compatriots at the Weckety Weck, they have had zero hypercar manufacturers present a vehicle for them to do their somewhat rigorous testing, right? It's not just how did it perform on track, but they're going to want your uh, internal combustion engine, uh, their going to want to run that across the nascar uh, dinos and whatnot they're going to want to take your vehicle and the complete vehicle and go spend multiple days in the wind shear wind tunnel in north carolina Mm -hmm. Uh, and there's a whole heck a bunch of other things that they would want to do as well to benchmark your vehicle then decide how they might welcome that into the series knowing that with the gtp slash lmdh formula strictly rear wheel drive every team using a spec energy storage system mgu making anywhere from 40 to almost 70 horsepower hey those hyper cars well you can be all-wheel drive you can have your motors motor generator units up front and rear you can do all kinds of different things that are really cool really really cool but i can tell you where we saw WEC running both the LMDH and hypercar formulas together at Sebring. Not to the greatest success in terms of balance of performance parity, but we discussed that last week. Not expected, right? That's not not criticizing WEC. Just first shot out trying to get these two formulas playing equally, and that never happens. I would say IMSA's reticence to welcome hypercars into the GTP class probably softened a bit now that we have seen Sebring run uh, mm-hmm. and seen these two formulas play together under uh Weckety Weck um, rules and whatnot. But I can tell you prior to that, oh boy, there was <laughs> real disinterest in welcoming any hypercars over. And Well, let me rephrase that. It wasn't reticence in welcoming. It was more hesitance to, oh boy, we know this balancing is going to be very difficult and these are higher tech cars that can do 
maybe we can set the BOP so they run the equal lap times uh, for a little while. But at some point in time, all-wheel drive is going to preserve tires better than just simply rear-wheel drive. And here's some other factors, just inherent design things, Graham, that are going to complicate how races get decided. So I think things might get a little bit friendlier on IMSA side as mm-hmm. more WEC races are run, more balancing is done, more data is available for them to pull over and go, okay, hey, at this race or that race, boy, uh, you really seem to nail the BOP between these two prototype formulas. That's something we could lean on uh, if Toyota, Peugeot, whomever were to send things over uh, to want to enter and play with us. But again, there's still this whole big, we're going to do our own testing and benchmarking yep. process that IMSA is holding firm and fast to. Um, that I wonder if that, Graham, is also something that might lead one or more manufacturers to go, I don't know, I would think you could just take what the WEC has uh, for data and BOP decisions and just apply that. Do we really have to go all the extra miles and spend a lot of extra money to do this? I wonder if that's a, that's a little bit of a uh, discouraging factor. I, I, I think anything that requires manufacturers to spend more money is is a discouraging factor. I think the the opportunity to 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 do some of the big races or even a full season with the car is definitely a plus. It's then a matter of budget, and budget, of course, you know, depends on exactly how your program is structured, etc. There are very marginal differences, by the way, in terms of the way in which some of those GTP cars. Um, are presented and that comes because they are homologated through different wind tunnels Uh, so if you take a look very carefully particularly at the rear of the gtp cars the lmdh uh, design cars that presented themselves at sebring there are minor differences between the two specifications but they are minor Um, so I, i think from my point of view i happen to think, I think MSRA were right in the first instance to go down the route that they've gone down, which is stick with the manufacturers that have shown the uh, commitment to their new formula, get that bedded in, and then, you know, once you've actually had an opportunity to see how things are working with this wider hypercar class in the WEC, then see what might be possible moving forward to grow that product. And it does allow them to, to effectively allow that debate and the inevitable um, bickering behind the scenes that's going to happen to play its way out over the first part of this year in particular through to and beyond Le Mans um, before they have to commit. So I think it was right. And what it's given us is a couple of truly exciting GTP races so far, and I'm sure there's more to come as we get into the more sprinty part of the, the IMSA season. But it, it's, it is a fascinating marketplace, MP, and yet more cars still to come. You know, all of the, the, the new ones were promised with the exception of the Asata uh, to the LMDH formula. So Alpine still to come, Lamborghini still to come. And of course, Lamborghini already confirmed with an IMSA program in the endurance races. And we'll wait and see what happens in the customer car marketplace. But it, it is that the breadth of this is truly astonishing. I mean, I, I started this process of this what became a four-parter this A to W, thinking it would be quite nice to look at the manufacturers and just assess where they are, where they're going. And by the way, it might be good to feed into that all those manufacturers that have either been involved and no longer are, 
Audi stand up and then sit down again. Aston Martin the same. And others that have been rumoured. And by the way, others that may not have been rumoured but actually were. That morphed itself into a list of organisations involved as as manufacturers, as teams, as principal technical suppliers to this process, 73 different entities listed in there. Uh, you know, this is, and this is only the start. You know, there is still more to come uh, in, in this regard. So a formula at the moment that lasts until I think the end of 2027, although looking already as this, there's every, every likelihood that that will be extended to some degree. So, it is truly exciting, and I know people are excited and enthused by it, and that's brilliant news. It is so good to have something where, you know, um, fans, our listeners, our readers are positive about something about which we and they are passionate about. And as things kind of roll out and we get into the minutiae, and I think the next thing we, we probably should cover. Minutiae. That's minutiae. my new favorite word. There you go. Um, is is probably to talk about the the six hundred pound gorilla in the room, which is balance of performance. You mentioned it just a little wee while ago across the platforms. How does that work? Who's doing what? You know, who's you know uh, playing what games, etc. And there's all sorts, as there always is, theories about who may not be showing their hand, who absolutely is showing their hand, who's in trouble, etc. Uh, and how that works in particular with the WEC, where we have a platform BOP, that is a BOP that applies um, as a methodology to the LMH cars and a platform that applies to the LMDH cars in the hypercar class. And that will not be reviewed as a platform until we've had two races. So that might be looked at again after Portimao. We've already got the, the BOP for Portimao. Uh, that was published at about the same time as the, the BOP for... Um, uh, for Sebring, so there's some marginal changes to come, but it will not be locked out until after that. And that will only be done with the powers that be being absolutely satisfied with the data sets that they've uh, that they've been provided with either directly from the cars or indirectly through the teams and manufacturers. So there's a lot of work still to do here. The signs are pretty good that this is building. Um, it does look in weckety-weck world as if Toto have got a pretty predictable advantage. But the signs are good that Ferrari can close that gap pretty well. Le Mans could be amazing on that front. Uh, and as far as GTP is concerned, for two reasons. One is the cars simply look closer together than the, the hypercars do at the moment. And the second thing is the IMSA rule set allows that that though any gaps to kind of be closed up and then beyond that driving standards allow them to be closed even further um but the the, the reality with all of it is it didn't give us three uh, sorry two astounding races at sebring they were they were notable in a number of ways but there is absolutely every sign that that's building to a point where we're going to see that and that's the exciting part for me um the second most exciting part, by the way, is what's going to happen with the customer marketplace. And that, for me, is the truly exciting part of this. If that lifts off, if that gets to the stage where we start to see teams in numbers committing to single or multi-car efforts on either side of the pond, then we, my friend, 
have indeed got ourselves something, an era with a a titch of the guilt about it. And by that, I mean G-I-L-T, not G-U-I-L-T. We've had that far too often. So, yeah, watch this space. But things are building very well indeed. So a need for us to come to an agreement on on weights because recently Mm -hmm. on television, in person, and now on the... Weekend Sports Cars podcast brought to you by Cooper yeah. Tires, the Justice Brothers, and TorontoMotorsports.com. I have heard gorillas described as 800 pounds, pounds. Oh, 600 pounds. 800 pounds. Yeah. 900 pounds. 1,000 pound gorilla in the room. And just now. That's a, mor- that's a morbidly beast gorilla. 800, yeah. uh, 600 pound gorilla. So yeah. I think we need to make an official determination okay. of, of the weight of gorillas on this show because at least as i understand and have understood my entire life it's 800 pound and i've even just found on merriam webster uh that it is 800 but i'm just trying to confirm is this some Uh, sort of metric is this it could be i'm gonna go for the bop the balance of primates we should go go with 800 pounds well okay i mean i'm balanced primates i like that You know, I should mention another thing. There are a couple other social media items to work in here. Mm -hmm. Uh, One from our our friends at Joda, by the way. Uh, We'll get to that in a sec. Uh, I'm trying to remember who it was you were having. You were having a Twitter exchange with using your at DSC editor handle. Please follow if Mm -hmm. you don't. Uh, And if you do follow, just unfollow. Come on now. Um, (laughs) Might have been uh, Aaron Ketchell, maybe. I'm not sure. But uh, she had asked something and and uh, about please stop doing this thing uh it was something and, to do with the, the, the english and uh, there yes. is no r in persia yes and to which yes. you replied there's, there's no, no w, w in jaguar <laughs> and yeah. based on that because yes. i've i've heard that from friends from the uk forever about how we in america mispronounce uh it's jaguar not jaguar i actually spent no joke i spent a good six minutes of my life wandering down a uh etymology rabbit hole to learn the origins of this word describing a beautiful (laughs) feral uh cat of prey originates south america latin america right yep. so certainly not not native to the highlands of scotland or wherever else and did indeed learn the the belief is the origin of this word describing this big beautiful cat mm. is one of portuguese-ish origin and okay. so i actually clicked play on a couple of how to pronounce the word Right. in its native original language and right. you'd, you'd never guess what's in there is it is a it, big it, fat w jaguar so so the people who made up the damn word for yeah. the cat which yeah. y'all over there uh yeah. decided to name uh, road vehicles and granted fruit yeah. household was probably more than half of our monthly income was generated by my father repairing leaky recalcitrant 
jaguars. So I'm very thankful that y'all came up with this, Mark. Yeah. But just saying, we can continue perpetrating this myth that us dumb Americans... We, I didn't say you were dumb. Well, no, it's a little no. implied, but that's okay. That we, no. the dummies over here, the, the rednecks and the whatnot, ain't know how to pronounce the word correctly. Well, I'll tell you what, Graham Goodwin, the internet informed me. Gosh darn it. <laughs> We've been saying it right the whole time, and there's a big fat W in there. I encourage those who are doubters, do your own little etymology search, and you will find that indeed pronounced as it, the word was originally formed. There is indeed okay. a W in can, Jaguar. Can we can we agree that Peugeot though is not Peugeot? No, we it's can't. Peugeot. Why would why would English people tell other people how to no, pronounce no, 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 a no. French word? No, no. I'm telling uh, as an English person, I'm telling you how the French people pronounce it. That's but oddly, I don't hear them pronounce it as Peugeot. 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 You, uh-huh. I mean, here's, here's the, 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 the truly hilarious part of this is that the time when this came up before, in fact, joined the 908 uh, program, um, we had a national TV ad campaign yes. for whichever shitbox Peugeot uh, were, um, and I speak, by the way, as a proud owner of two past Peugeots, both of which I utterly adored, right up until the point that the second one shat itself. Um and at the end of it, this very feminine, sexy French female voice would pronounce it in that way that only a French lady can. Peugeot. 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 It's Peugeot, not Peugeot. Right. Do, do we have any proof this was an actual French woman? None whatsoever. And you know who destroyed Could have this? been Frank Montani. Could have been Frank Montani on, on, on a weekend off. Alan McNish, fully to blame for just destroying the global name. We're just going to... Stellantis. That's what they're <laughs> going to be called from now on. The Stellantis 9X8s. Um, oh, anyway, the Stellantis 72s. That's what they're going to be called. <laughs> there we go. Um, hey, you know, I do indeed need to run in about three minutes because I have to okay. uh, perform a phone call with one Kumasato. Uh, but the maybe the, the closer for this episode, our friends at Joda asked, could you tell our cars apart this time? And I don't know if we replied on the good old social media. So I thought their cars uh, were beautiful at sea. It looks great. I think that the, the, the Porsche, which by the way is confirmed uh, for its, or at least confirmed on the entry for its debut at uh, Spa, which is race three. Um, it was easier because it was a great big word hurts on the side of the 48 car that took the win, but not the points, of course. Um, but unfortunately, uh, most of the other teams have now, uh, fielded all but identical cars in LMP2. So the two Alpines are identical. The two Primas are absolutely identical, apart from one's got green mirrors, one's got red. Uh, the two WRT cars are problematic, and uh, as are, from many angles, the two United cars as well. So that story will absolutely run and run. I will, by the way, answer one quick question, and I'm trying to find who asked it, but it was to do with Sebring. And da, 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 someone asked, asked whether or not that was my first time there. It was actually my 20th uh, time at Sebring. 19 um, Sebring 12-hour uh, meetings and one other race meeting at Sebring in my time. So 20 visits to um, the middle of nowhere uh, in Florida and enjoyed it every single time. Uh, that, that 
truly surprised me when we went back through that uh, over a coffee um, this time. I thought it'd been maybe ten or eleven. It's it's it was my twentieth uh, trip there this time. Um, so yeah, plenty of opportunity to um, enjoy its delights. Uh, it has got some atmosphere that place, and it will be a sad day if and when they ever decide to resurface it, or at least regrade it. Uh, with the what is it three four five foot deep uh, concrete that it's got in certain pla- parts of the of the place um i think we're about done aren't we for this very quick fire edition of the weekend sports cars we will be back uh, next week uh, and then we're going to be back into a race week dynamic uh, where we might have some additional marshall Pruitt podcast uh, content uh, we'll bring that to you shortly in terms of what might that might be uh, so I'll say thank you on your behalf, MP. Thanks, Daniel Summersgill, for putting these questions together. And again, thanks to everybody who contributed a bumper bundle of questions post-Seabring. There'll be a new call for questions over the weekend. Um, he's been Marshall Pruitt. I've been Graham Goodwin. We'll say thanks to Cooper Tyres, to the Justice Brothers, and to TorontoMotorsports.com. This has been the Week in Sports Cars, part of the Marshall Pruitt podcast. We'll be back with you next week. Pew, 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 pew. Ha <laughs>